Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lightford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until... Six o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10 to get your Super Bowl weekend started. Wow. What a day of sports yesterday. And that's for me personally. You know, I'm a soccer fan, Premier League guy, Chelsea fan. So I had the game at 12. I'm, I'm giving you a little inside scoop into my life. I had the game at 12 between Chelsea and Tottenham. Chelsea ended up winning 1-0 due to a penalty kick. Because Eric Dyer couldn't manage to keep his feet set in the box. And they drew a penalty and didn't give up a goal. Happy about that. After that win, took a little nap. Woke up. Warriors started at 4.30. Had the Warriors. Then right after that, we had the Al Davis versus the NFL 30 for 30. And then I went to sleep. (laughs) This is good. It gave me a lot to talk about this morning. Want to start out with the Warriors, then we'll get into a little bit of that 30 for 30. And then we do have Super Bowl Sunday between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. We'll be wanting your predictions. And there is one prop bet that I absolutely would hammer. And it's 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 a good one. And I think that you're going to like it because these prop bets that they come up with, man, these are... They're insane. But good morning, everyone. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But I do want to start out with the Warriors as they got the 147-116 to win over the Mavericks as they moved to 12-10 and on the year. They had the national game on TNT. Apparently, Eric Paschal, we already knew, before we get to Eric Paschal, we already knew that Kevon Looney and James Wiseman were out. Kevon Looney at least out for the next six, seven games. James Wiseman, he'll be coming back uh, relatively soon, by the way, wearing the wearing the hoodie with Cartman on the front on the bench yesterday. Did anyone see that? See them show that on the screen? It was amazing. I I, I like James I, I like James Wiseman a lot already, but then I saw him wearing the Cartman sweatshirt, little tie-dye, big fan. Uh, but we already knew they were out, and apparently Eric Paschal had woken up with a swollen knee. So he was ruled out. Every single center that they have, whether it's Wiseman, Looney, or their small ball center in in Eric Paschal, I think, man, how are they going to get it done against Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and this Mavs team, who also include Dwight Powell, who's a big man. They got Bobon. They got Willie Cauley-Stein. But it turns out the Warriors had quite the edge. Now, the Mavericks, they haven't been great this year, and they're coming off a back-to-back after getting a tough win over Atlanta a couple of nights ago. 
Um, but here are a couple of the key storylines that I felt uh, it's just it's pretty amazing because all the talk for this past week has been Draymond Green and Kelly Oubre. Draymond Green and Kelly Oubre, as well as a little bit of Juan Toscano Anderson thrown into the mix. But those two had their best games of the season. Kelly Oubre had a career night. And and let's start out with let's start out with Oubre. Uh he had 36 minutes on the floor, 40 points. He was 14 of 21 overall, and half of those made shots were threes, so he made seven of them. And also had five free five free throws, so he had twenty six points from threes as well as the free throws, and then he also had the rest with the twos. And here's what stood out to me: he completely benefited from this small ball lineup from Draymond starting at center. And we'll get to Draymond in a second. But what happened was the Mavs tried to create some sort of defensive strategy where they just weren't going to try and clog the paint at all. The Warriors were going to go five, spread out five from beyond the arc, and they weren't going to put anyone in the low block. They weren't going to put anyone near the paint, and they were just going to move off ball and try and fool the Mavs in that sense, and their defense couldn't adjust. And the two guys that benefited the most one were Kelly Oubre, and the other was Draymond Green. But the catch-and-shoot threes were a big part of his game. I mean, getting those pull-up mid-range jumpers, getting to the rim, there were so many easy buckets, it felt like, uh, for Kelly Oubre. And toward the end of the game, he just started taking advantage of this Mavs offense or this Mavs defense, and he was feeling himself because – he did a step-back jumper toward the end in the fourth quarter as they were really starting to gain momentum. It was 112-101, to 101 and Oubre did this. Oubre Jr. stops with the dribble. Takes a contested 15-footer. It's nothing but that. 34 for Oubre Jr. So he got 34 points on that. And then with his 40th point of the night, he was just feeling it from three. Ball thrown in. JTA finds Oubre Jr. Open three. Top of the key on the way. Good. He's got 40. He made it 133 to 107 in the fourth. This is from Bad Guy Bob. Oubre was outstanding. Should we keep him? It might be just the overreaction from a lot of fans. It's interesting seeing everything surrounding Ubre and all the talk because, you know, everyone wants to make snap judgments. As soon as they see, you know, oh, the minus 25 on the floor and they constantly see his net rating in the minus overall on average, I think that it's all just talk. And he hears about it. I'm sure he does because he came out with a career night and had 40 points overall a career high for him, but I also believe that he will be with this team going forward because really we have seen what happens when injuries befall this team. This is the first time where really they've had multiple injuries with the guys who are already healthy on their roster and with Wiseman and Looney and Eric Paschal out as well. Ubre was clearly needed last night, but the way that he was able to, Cut back door, Draymond just directing traffic. Ubre was terrific last night. He was great. But then you move on to Draymond as well. He had 15 assists on the night, which is one shy of his career high. He had 16 assists before in a game. Um, but Draymond also benefited from playing the small ball because the Mavs didn't know how to defend it. They did not look great. And, and he... Look, I think that this is the type of Draymond that we need to see. We, You know, these guys can have one good game, sure, but we know how much of a roller coaster of a season this has been. We need to see this from Draymond constantly because in the first quarter, there was a time where it looked like he passed up on an open layup. It looked like Porzingis was the only guy that was able to guard him. He was driving uh, to the rack, and then he kicked it out to Wiggins in the corner. It ended up being a missed three, and you're like, 
all right, Draymond, like really you're, you're, you're doing this again. You, you look like you had a chance to maybe get a foul opportunity and get to the line, shoot some free throws, but instead he kicked it out. And then this happened in the fourth, in the first quarter. As soon as that play was over, Green made the adjustment and Curry with the assist. Finney Smith, the rebound, hit the deck. Good box out by the Warriors. Curry bounced past Draymond down the lane, dunked it, and got fouled by Doncic. Draymond Green was talking about his one-foot dunk the other day, and he got another one right there. And I love this from the 5-1-0 here on the text line. I mean, that, that, that dunk that he had for the and one, it's just okay. Green's in a different zone, but he totally benefited uh, from the type of defense that the Mavs were playing when the Warriors were going five outside the three. But from the five one zero, this is a great text. We can't give Draymond any credit when he has one good game out of every five. That would be like you every week on the radio having a crappy broadcast Monday through Thursday, but you kill it on Fridays. At some point, you probably wouldn't have a job. Plus, for the amount of money that Draymond makes, the stats he put up last night should be expected consistently. I'm not saying he needs to average, and I don't think you're saying that 5-1-0, that he needs to average uh, that he needs to average 15 assists a night, but you should expect Draymond to play that style on offense, putting up 11 points. You should expect that. You should expect Draymond to maybe be a double-double type of guy each night, whether it be rebounds or assists. And then also putting up double-digit points. That's what they're going to need from Draymond if they want to contend in the playoffs. But you're absolutely right because, after all, it is just one game. But, I mean, man, that assist that he had to Curry, though, I, I, I mean, you saw that when Curry put up the goggles. This was late in the second quarter. Draymond dribbling up top. Warrior slow to react. Pass to Curry. How did he get it? He got it between two defenders to Draymond, and then Curry laid it in low right. That was, pass. An, that was an impossibility, Tim. There's no room there. Tom Brady wouldn't have thrown that pass. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes would have, though. We'll get to that a little later on. But Draymond completely benefited from this small ball lineup. And, again, it is just one game, and it's not like they're going to be doing this for the rest of the season. Because in the end, Wiseman will be coming back, and they're not going to. They're going to have four out wide, and then they're most likely going to have Wiseman in the low block, and they might have to change up their style of offense a little bit. But we do need to see this from Draymond consistently uh, going forward in the season, just so we avoid any of that talk and that questioning around Draymond Green. You know, and it, can this be the type of Draymond that we see for the rest of the season? Or was this just a one-off? I don't know, but it was a great game last night nonetheless. I don't, I'm not going to try and look uh, at the big picture stuff. From the 925, what a game for the Dubs. Playing with no fear or second guessing. Oubre with a career high, 7 of 9, actually 7 of 10 in double, di- in, in double digits. And on top of that, the Mavs were draining threes in the first half, yet they won by 31. Small ball for the win. And TNT did an excellent job of this, breaking it down. But just the Mavs' lack of wanting to make any plays in the post. I know Perzingis is coming off an injury, uh, but they just didn't want to put any big men against this team because they were just going to be moving it too quick. And the closeout defense for those big men is not too great because we saw Kelly Oubre benefit from that when he was open for three. And, you know, you had Porzingis closing out on him and he could just go in for the easy dunk he is. Despite all the missed dunks that he has, Oubre is one of the best finishers at the rim at the uh, finishers at the rim on the team. I'd probably put him right behind Curry, and then maybe it's a maybe behind Wiggins as well. Um, Wiggins, even though he hasn't had the greatest of nights by the looks of it, he's still put up double digit points. He has been very consistent this year too. And overall, it was a good game for everybody. Michael Mulder got some playing time, and he looked good. Damian Lee though had the play of the night that had people on Twitter talking. It was when he went up for the layup, got the and one over uh, Luka Doncic. Draymond back to Lee. Lee drives around Doncic, gets to the baseline, goes up strong and scores on the left-hand side of the bucket. It's good and a foul. And we know what he called him, and if you did see it on Twitter, uh, just feel free to look that up. I'm not going to repeat that uh, on the radio. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Again, not saying this is who the Warriors are, because 
147 to 116. It was the most dominant win of the year because they just completely took over in that third quarter, outscoring the Mavs by 16 points, and they just uh, they just couldn't come back. And Ubre was continuing to heat up, um, but it was just a lot of fun to watch. That's just it. It was a lot of fun to watch. We'll see if they can bounce like bounce back like that again on Saturday, or if Rick Carlisle, the head coach of the Mavs, try and changes uh, tries to change things up. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Coming up next, you'll hear from Steve Kerr as well as Steph Curry talking about what got them that win and their overall thoughts about the small ball lineup. And coming up a little later on in the show, about 20 minutes from now, talk a little bit about the Al Davis stock, the 30 for 30, Al Davis versus the NFL. I'm not going to get into too many details, um, but there were a couple of things from that documentary, uh, which I just wasn't a big fan of. So uh, we'll get to that. Plus, we got the Super Bowl this weekend, prop bets. They're just so fun to look at. We're going to have a lot of fun on the show today. Stephen Lankford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. You heard the big voice guy. It is Stephen Langford. Happy Friday. Whew. What a sports day on Thursday to head into Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Uh, in about 15 minutes, I'll get to the Al Davis versus the NFL 30 for 30 and just a couple of things that I wanted to point out. I'm not going to get into too many details again. I don't want to ruin it just in case you haven't seen it. But there's a couple of things for me. Uh, I just expected something a little different. And when I read about it beforehand, I knew uh, what was going to come. But also there are a couple of things in there that uh, that that I wasn't really a big fan of. So we'll get to that in about 15 minutes. Then we'll also have a little Super Bowl preview, and I want to get your picks at 888-957-9570 on the text line. Or, of course, you can give me a call as well with that same number. And this is from Drake and Mountain View from the 650. What's up, nice guy? I'm pretty sure all of the trade – I'm tired. Of, I'm pretty tired of all the trade Draymond talk. Would we like more consistent play? Yes, but he brings so much more than people see. Besides Steph, he's the only playmaker we have. Runs offense, on-the-floor coach, defensive coordinator, the toughness, the trash talker, and more. Simply put, we needed him, and that's Drake from Mountain View. Absolutely, they did need him last night. But I think, Drake, the thing that people are frustrated with is when those other guys, for example, when Wiseman or uh, Pascal or Looney, when they're healthy— I do think that they expect a little more from Draymond scoring, and that hasn't been the case in the past. But now more than ever, um, you know, if Steph's not having a, a, a great shooting night and Oubre's not putting up 40 points, and, you know, Wiggins has actually been a really consistent shooter. I'm not even going to call out Wiggins at all, and Steph's been a consistent shooter as well. But I, I just think that's what people are expecting a little more of, is just him to go up and, and, and get those layups. And, and I think they're wondering last night, I'm sure the ones who are talking about the Draymond trade t- type stuff, you know, the the what's his value to this team if he's not scoring, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure the people who are bringing that up are also saying – Watching it last night, why can't he do that every single night? Putting up a double-double, getting 15 assists as well as 11 points. And I'm not saying he needs to put up 15 assists a night, but having a game like that. And he completely benefited uh, from the small ball lineup. And who knows what the Mavs were planning on defense before because Eric Paschal unexpectedly was out of the game. Their small ball center. you know, And, And I'm sure the Mavs had a plan going into it. And it completely changed, and I'm sure the Warriors changed up their offense a little bit. It was way more free-flowing, free having five guys beyond the three-point line, spreading the ball around, and Kelly Oubre was just getting any open look that he wanted uh, whenever he was getting to the paint. So um, I, I, I see your point, and I, and, and I agree with you, but there are times when it can be frustrating for a lot of Warrior fans when they expect a little more out of... Draymond, when he gets paid, what he gets paid for. But nonetheless, he had his best game of the season last night. He looked terrific. 
Hopefully he can do that again on Saturday when they go on to face the Mavs and then when they continue their road trip in Texas when they have two more in San Antonio. Uh, But Steve Kerr, after the game, he talked about Kelly Oubre. Again, Kelly Oubre, 36 minutes, 40 points on the night, and he had seven made threes as well as five of six free throws made. And Steve Kerr just talked about whether this small ball is the type of game that suits Oubre. Yeah, it it might. I mean, I think, honestly, this style sort of fits everybody better. You know, when the game is like that, it's so loose and up and down. It feels almost like summer league. So I think everybody is more comfortable in 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 a small game where there's a lot of space and room to roam, and it's just a little easier to get rhythm. I think this has been coming. You know, obviously, for Kelly, it's been a rough first quarter of the season. And yet within that span, he's had some excellent games for us. You know, he's played very well at times. He's... He's just had some, some really poor shooting nights during that span that people have locked in on. But, you know, Kelly's getting more comfortable. Guys in the locker room love him and you know, want to help him continue to get comfortable. And, and this was obviously a great night for him and, and for the whole group. And, 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 yeah, the Mavs weren't exactly playing the best defense of all time. The Warriors were able to benefit from that, and they took advantage. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this is, that's that's all it was. That's that's what it, I'm not going to say. This is what the Warriors are going to be doing in the future. This is how they need to do it. They need to bench Looney and Wiseman and Pascal and never bring them in. We don't need them in the on the lineup. No, that's not true at all. The Mavs just did not play good defense. Kristaps Porzingis, uh, he wasn't ready, and uh, and you know Luka Doncic was really the only guy giving them um, a ton of or at least much production scoring the basketball. Doncic, even though it didn't look like he had the greatest game ever, he was three for seven from three, but overall he had twenty seven points. And Porzingis did have twenty five, uh, but the other guys. They, um, yeah, the other starters, they weren't able to do it. Josh Richardson, Finney Smith, uh, guys who got some length and can also shoot the three ball. Uh, they were not looking too great last night, although their bench uh, their bench didn't look too bad because the defense just in the first half wasn't there at all. Um, but speaking of which, the defense in the first half was just terrible between both teams, and Steve Kerr talked about how they picked up the defense within the second half. Yeah, we talked about, you know, just trying to get three stops in a row at some point early in the half just to try to get a little traction uh, defensively. They were making everything in the first half, but some of that was our own doing. We weren't aggressive enough, especially on our switches, and and, um, they were shooting uh, with ease and and a lot of freedom. I thought in the second half we got more aggressive and forced some misses, and they might have been tired too from the back-to-back. But as I mentioned earlier, the uh, important thing was that when we – did force misses. We had five guys fighting for rebounds. And I don't know what the total, the rebounding total was in the second half, but we must have won it by, I think, seven or eight boards. And that allowed us to really get out and, and attack before they could set up their defense. <laughs> First half, the Mavs shot 52% from three, while the Warriors shot 44. And then in the second half, the Warriors shot 61% from three, while the Mavs shot 24%. So, uh, the shooting disparity there in the second half, it was a big difference. And I also want to point out, it's just fun when they are t- making or taking that many threes. Um, and not just that aspect, because you do want to see a little bit more of a, a low post game. And I, and I get it if you're more of an old school type of fan and you're just tired of guys jacking up threes. Like, I totally get that. But with the Warriors... When they do jack up that many threes and they make them, for example, like Juan Toscano-Anderson yesterday, uh, in the first half, I believe, he shot the seven threes. And he uh, <laughs> he was looking at Steph whenever he made them. It is just pointing at the bench when Steph was sitting there. It's just like Steph's a... Steph's like a proud dad watching his team, although he's a proud teammate. But it was just funny to me whenever they were making those threes and they point to the bench, and you could tell uh, that Steph's the guy at the front that they're really pointing to. Uh, it was great. It was it was just a lot of fun to watch yesterday, and I'm telling you, that, that Cartman sweater with Wiseman, big, big fan. Big, big fan. Uh, but Kerr continued... And he just talked about Draymond and the way that he was able to pass the ball. Draymond, with 15 assists on the night, he was one shy of his career high. 
And uh, here's what Steve Kerr had to say about Draymond's big passing night. He's been doing it now for, I think, for the last couple of weeks, Nick. He's feeling better. He's feeling in better shape. We've made more of an emphasis the last few games. You know, the way people are playing Steph this year and just attacking him on the dribble. You know, it's very important that we get Draymond as a handler because he's so potent as a at point forward. And, and Steph, obviously, is so potent off the ball. So I just think Draymond is finding his rhythm. This has always been his his strong suit as an offensive player. You know, being a point forward, pushing the ball, generating tempo and pace, and he did all that tonight. But we do need to see this more consistently. And I'm not saying he needs to put up 15 assists a night. I'm not saying he need to put needs to put up double-digit assists tonight. But I do think that as well as those assists, because he'll get his. Draymond will get his. Like Steve Kerr said at the beginning, he's been doing that for a lot of the season. Passing the passing the ball has not been an issue uh, for Draymond Green this season. At least uh, um, um, more more than uh, um, more often than not, he's having a good passing night. But it's just getting to the rack and shooting the basketball and and, and posing some sort of other threat because the defense, whenever he sh- whenever he's behind the three point line, they just completely sag off of him and uh, sometimes give him some openings to the hoop. And I think now. He needs that confidence to continue so he can get to the rack. I mean, just in the first quarter alone, there was that moment in the beginning of the game where Chris Stapps was the only guy guarding the rim, and he was one-on-one with them, and he still kicked it out to Andrew Wiggins on the right-hand side in the corner, and Wiggins ended up missing the three, and it was a worse shot than what Draymond could have gotten. He could have gone to the free-throw line, and then he followed it up with an and-one dunk. So hopefully that becomes a little more consistent going forward. But here's the last clip I wanted to play for you. And this is what Steph had to say after the game, just about playing in this style of offense, this small ball style where they're just getting five guys behind the three-point line and they're having guys cut back door, spread around the floor, and, uh, and, and try to create some space so guys can, like Kelly Oubre can get to the hoop. Here's what Steph Curry had to say after the game. It's just fun, a fun way to play. And, again, everybody was involved being a threat out there to you know, finish a possession or, or create the domino effect. And you can tell how demoralizing it is for the defense in those type of situations. You take one thing away, you swing it. Everybody's rotating, swinging to the open guy. Somebody's getting a dunk. Somebody's getting a back cut. Somebody's getting an open three. And uh, obviously, thankfully, shots fall, you know, went down tonight. So uh, it was a lot of, you know, great energy. Michael Mulder, 12 points in 14 minutes. Damian Lee, 17 points in 24 minutes on the floor. And then everyone else was in the double digits. Seven guys total in the double digits for this Warriors team. And the Mavs. They didn't play any defense, but it was still a great shooting night and a lot of fun to watch if you've been just waiting for an offensive outburst from this Warrior team. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Already getting some predictions for the Super Bowl. We'll get into that around uh, 545, 550 or so. But coming up next, do want to share some thoughts on the 30 for 30 last night. Al Davis versus the NFL And don't worry if you didn't watch it. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but just a couple of things that I expected that weren't necessarily there that had me a little disappointed toward the end of the documentary. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was great because that story of Al Davis is just one of the best stories in all of sports. I mean, he's just such an iconic figure. But the way that they handled the documentary, there's a couple of things about it uh, that I had an issue with. But if you... Had anything you wanted to say about it? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Would love to hear from you on the text line, or of course, you can give me a call with that same number. Going to talk about that and the Super Bowl. That's coming up next. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, ninety five seven. The game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 
Six o'clock as we are heading toward our final 20 minutes or so until the morning roast. And we get from six to ten. You got Steiny Guru and Dibs. Then you got Damon Ratto and Kolsky. Man, it's going to be a fun day today on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Man, that, that Warrior game was a lot of fun to watch yesterday as they got that win 147 to 116. And I think the final thoughts is from a lot of people. And that's what I'm, this is the, this is the pulse that I'm gathering from the text line here this morning is, uh, let's see this on a consistent basis before we make any snap judgments on the big picture for this team because they were without Eric Paschal. They were without James Wiseman. And of course, they were without Kavon Looney, who they'll be without for an extended period of time. 888-957-9570. I want to know from you, did you watch any of the Al Davis versus the NFL 30 for 30 last night? I'm sure some of you did. And I'll go a little more in-depth with it on uh, my podcast today, Black Hole Sunday's new episode coming out. If you you want to look for it, you can uh, find it on the radio.com app. Just go to the pregame show tab where you find these podcasts. But most, most... most importantly, favorite 95-7 the game. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, but I want to know from you if you watched the doc and and tell me what you think. Because this documentary, I think, was kind of a long time coming. Al Davis is one of the most iconic figures in all of sports. One of the most polarizing figures in sports. And, and if you haven't really heard of it or didn't know what the premise of it was, really it's just talking about the rivalry between Al Davis and former NFL commissioner Pete Rozelle. And a couple of things that I thought were really, really cool were just, it's just seeing how the NFL was, had started really, because it was the NFL in the, in the AFL, Al Davis was the commissioner of the AFL. Pete Rozelle was commissioner of the NFL. And then them two merged when, when Al Davis started signing free agents from the NFL when there was really an unwritten rule that you couldn't do that. And going forward, there was a ton of stuff. And just seeing how much of a renegade that Al Davis was, you know, you hear all the stories, but um, just seeing that every owner was going against him when he was trying to relocate and he's using all these different tactics to try and get it done, he just didn't care what anyone thought. All he wanted to do, and this was a... This was a recurring theme within the 30 for 30, but all he wanted to do was win, no matter what it was, even if it was on the football field or off the football field. The man wanted to win. Um, And, you know, all the litigations and stuff that was going on, there was, it, it was interesting to pay attention to. And, you know, them moving to L.A. and and everything surrounding that, their move back to Oakland and their move over to Vegas. And really, it just proved how much Al Davis wanted to create a brand new stadium, state of the art, with all the technology and everything surrounding that. But here are a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> that face... Thing that they did i don't even know what to call it i was seeing the name deep fake on twitter is that what i should call that deep fake or cgi i i don't know what to call that but they made it seem like al davis and pete rosell were inside allegiant stadium in vegas kind of telling their sides of the story in all of this it was just really strange very very creepy i it, it, it you know it's it's like it's like when when you put some animation over some real life people. I mean, have you ever seen Captain America, the first one, where they put Chris Evans' face on a on, on an incredibly skinny body? You know, it, it was reminiscent of that. Or most recently, The Irishman, when they're trying to make Robert De Niro look very very young, like in his twenties. It just look. It reminded me of that. And it was a little creepy. Um, it was cool. It was inventive. I, I I applaud Ken Rogers, the director, for trying to create something new with it, put a new spin on 30 for 30s, because there is a th- – th- there's a structure to 30 for 30s, right? It's 
get a narrator. For example, let's just use the bad boys as an example. You get a narrator. You have some guys from the organization talk and tell their side of the story and just go through everything that surrounded it. So, for example, with the bad boys 30 for 30, they had Kid Rock who was narrating it. And they had all the different guys, Rick Mahorn, uh, 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 John Sally, Isaiah Thomas, everyone start talking. And that was the issue that I had with this documentary because the story is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating in every way that you sl- in every way that you can slice it. It's something that you can read about. But when you see it on screen, it just hits differently. And you understand that Al Davis truly was a renegade and you know the the stuff with Pete Rozelle there's a lot of things that I didn't I didn't know like when you know they won the Super Bowl and the players they possibly were going to pull a prank and Pete Rozelle when he was going to hand him the Super Bowl trophy who knows but there were a couple of things that I didn't it, it, the, the the couple of things that I didn't like and it's just the main thing being you didn't hear from anybody they didn't let anybody talk and share their thoughts about it you know you had you had a video from the old time of lester hayes who's talking about how you know they can move us wherever i'm willing to play for this guy i'm willing to play for this team they had howie long uh sort of talk for a bit but it's him from uh the 80s and the 90s look here's the thing i i I just wasn't a fan of the fact that they didn't get anybody from those teams to talk to the camera you know, where was Matt Millen? Where was Valipiano, who has just been such an ambassador on NFL films for the Raiders? Where was he? Where was Amy Trask? Like, they didn't want to... The thing that I, I... And I guarantee you that they wanted to talk. The thing that got me was that they just didn't want to let them talk. And you could tell that there was some control over this documentary because I can guarantee you that... There were some question marks surrounding what Al Davis was doing while things were going on on the football field. You know, and they mentioned that Super Bowl in 1980 when Jim Plunkett won it, coming in from a coming in as a backup, but they also didn't really talk about the feud with Kenny Stabler and how they traded him for Dan Pastorini and they traded him to the Houston Oilers and sure Stabler was 33 years old heading into his 34-year-old season. But then the next year when they did trade him, he threw for over 3,000 yards. He still had some stuff left in the tank. I felt like there was some stuff that was missed. Although the story was fascinating, I just didn't like the aspect of not bringing anyone on to talk about it. Because one of the things that makes 30 for 30 so damn powerful, and again, I'll go back to the bad boys thing, was just, oh, when are we going to hear from this guy? When are we going to hear from that guy? When are we going to hear from Rick Mahorn? Oh, I can't wait till Rick Mahorn's segment comes in. Oh, Rick Mahorn smashing bricks in slow-mo? Are you kidding me? This is awesome. I didn't see any of that. Where was Howie Long, a guy who's so involved in the media? It's just clear that they wanted to tell this story from a certain angle, and I would have loved to have heard it from a player perspective or a coach perspective. Whoever, I would have loved to have heard it from you know Tom Flores on screen. And everything that Al Davis did changed the landscape of the NFL and changed the way that uh, that ownership was done. I mean, you know, just with the way that teams were moving into other areas and getting into bidding wars and doing all these different things, all these legal, all these different legalities, and it's just to me. I don't know. I, I, I was slightly disappointed with the way that it turned out. The story's fascinating. Don't get me wrong. It was an, it's an amazing story and one of the coolest ones in sports history. But and it shows you how the NFL is built. I mean, you know, hiring Art Shell and, and having Tom Flores be the first Hispanic head coach to win a Super Bowl. It's like there's so many good things that Al Davis did, but also I would have loved to have heard the players' perspective and what they thought about it, and also other people who worked with them, and maybe had some little stories from Al Davis here and there. You know, there's always those inside stories um, that you don't necessarily hear on the radio when people talk about them um, because you can't hear everything. And these 30 for 30s, you're in the national spotlight 
would have loved to have heard a little more uh, from the background on that. But again, it was really cool. I highly recommend you check it out. Those were just a couple of quarrels uh, that I had <laughs> from the 925. Deep, deep fake is real footage, changed faces, changed faces. Hologram is totally CGI. All right, thank you. And from the 510, De Niro with a 40-year-old face, but punching, kicking, and walking like a 70-year-old was indeed odd to watch. That's from Doobie in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Hey, shout out to wheelchair bocce ball toward the end of that movie if you managed to make it to the end. Love that. Love a little wheelchair bocce with, uh, with Joe Pesci. Um, all right, we got the Super Bowl. This weekend, 888-957-9570. Want to hear from you. Who do you have in the Super Bowl this weekend? Super Bowl Sunday from the 408. I think Mahomes is going to force Brady to put up points to keep them in the game. I'm taking the over. Chiefs win 42-31. to 31. Wow. 42-31. to 31. That's going to be a big score. If I had to guess, I'd take the over as well. And here's all the talk. It's the Chiefs without an offensive line. You know, they're using a third-string guy at guard. What's going to happen? They've had Mitchell Schwartz out for quite a while now at right tackle. He's really good. But Eric Fisher being out, which just, you know, that stinks for any player. You, you, You feel some empathy for any player who's going through that sort of stuff and wants to play in a Super Bowl his second straight, trying to get another win, and then he ends up uh, getting injured and uh, having a pretty serious injury, as a matter of fact, and not being able to return to the game. Um, But I do think that this one for me, and I talked about this yesterday at 5 a.m. If you were up that early, you heard my initial thoughts on it. But this Super Bowl to me, I understand the allure. It's You don't want to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You don't want to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. But those throws that he was making in the second half against the Packers, they were those interceptions, it's not like the defense were making amazing was making amazing plays on those footballs. It's not like that. Tom Brady just completely underthrew Mike Evans on one of them by five yards in the second half. It looked ugly. And I just think the Packers totally failed in not taking advantage. And then, you know, we could go on and on about whether they should have gone for it or, uh, you know, whether Aaron Rodgers should have ran when he was eight yards out and, and possibly getting closer to the goal line, get a better fourth down look. We can argue about that all day and night, but the fact is the Packers couldn't come back. And we also got to remember that the Bills as well as the Packers were uh, were more healthy than the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. So I don't even know if health is going to be playing a factor into this one. The big factor to me is how are you going to stop Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill at the same time? Now, it looks like Antoine Winfield's going to be playing uh, for the Buccaneers at safety, which is big for them. But I do think that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are just going to be ultimately too much uh, for the Buccaneers to overcome. They got a great defense, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that Vita Vea and, and Dominican Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul, I'm not saying they're not going to get theirs. They're going to get to the quarterback, but I think that Patrick Mahomes is so damn good. He can evade pressure. I mean, did you if go back to that Bills game and just watch some highlights? He was getting tackled by Matt Milano. He was halfway to the ground. He was essentially at a 45-degree angle to the ground, and he still managed to complete a 13-yard pass to Travis Kelsey, who was just wide open underneath. It's it's like, I don't know how the Bucks are going to stop that. And on top of that, I believe that Andy Reid is such a good coach coming off the bye week. And, you know, we see his record, and now you have a makeshift bye week because you had the Pro Bowl and he's had two weeks to prepare. I just think it's going to be too much uh, for the Buccaneers to overcome. And seeing how that first game went with them uh, during the regular season when Tyreek Hill put up, what, a couple of hundred yards in the first half and was just absolutely dominant. Now the Buccaneers were able to make a comeback in that second half, um, and it might not look like the same game, but I just think the Chiefs, are ultimately going to be just too much um, for the Buccaneers to overcome. And I absolutely agree with 
the, where are you, from the 408. I think Mahomes is going to force Brady to put up points to keep them in the game. 888-957-9570. This Super Bowl will be like the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. Take the under, folks. Also, bet the prop bet octopus. There is one prop bet that I have that I am I'm hammering, okay, if I'm a betting man. There's one that I am hammering. And there is one that says, will they show John Gruden a clip of him from Super Bowl 37 winning the Super Bowl? Heck yeah, they're going to show that. He's the only head coach to win for Tampa Bay. They are absolutely going to be showing a replay clip of that. No doubt in my mind. So if I had to choose one out of any, I'd choose that. And then you can go to the national anthem prop bets, and I believe the uh, <laughs> I believe the over right now is at like a minute and fifty seven seconds. At least that's what I got. I never know with those things; those make me nervous. Jasmine Sullivan's going to be playing the national anthem, but there is a key there, and it's there's also one that says who is going to be the first coach shown during the national anthem, and to me, that coach is going to be Andy Reid. Second straight Super Bowl. I mean, Andy Reid already had that allure last year of, look, he just needs to win one. He needs to win one. We want to see Andy Reid win one because of everything that he's done in the NFL as a head coach. And I think they're going to show him first. That'd be me personally. Those would be the two that I'd hammer. But the one that's fun, I enjoy the Gatorade one. I think the Gatorade color that they shower on the head coach after the game, whoever the winning head coach is. I believe you can get a bet, which is orange versus the field, um, but you can also get a bunch of different colors, and I think purple is the odds-on least favorite. So if you want to make a little bit of money and you think it's going to be purple, then I highly recommend betting on purple. For the 650, number 17 on the Chiefs will surprise the Bucks. That's their secret weapon. That's from the Ed Word, and that is, of course, Nicole Hardman, who is just such a speedy receiver, and they use that as a decoy for Travis Kelsey. It's so fascinating to watch how that Chiefs offense is ran. And, you know, I'm saying this as a guy who grew up a Raider fan. You know, I, I absolutely should be on here telling you that, you know, I'd hate the Chiefs, I don't want them winning another Super Bowl, okay, and I would say that, but realistically, I, on, I my honest assessment is I think that the Chiefs are going to win this regardless of where my fandom lies. But from the 925, got to root for the Bay Boys in Brady and Vea. Shout out to Vita Vea over at Milpitas High School. Growing up in Fremont, knew a little bit about Milpitas High School. I mean, yeah, they were damn good at football. A damn good baseball team, too. Cool baseball field over there at Milpitas High School. But yeah, I get that. I get that if you want to root for the Bay Boys. I think it's, man, crazy seeing just a 43-year-old Brady going out there for his 10th Super Bowl. And uh, I think that ultimately Patrick Mahomes is just such a good quarterback and all the guys that they have at the skill positions. Now, there's one guy on the Bucks defense who I think should get a lot of recognition, and that is Levante David. I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in the game ever since him and Quan Alexander were paired up on the Buccaneers. Very speedy linebackers at their position. And I think that Levante David needs to get a little more recognition. Just watch him. He's all over the field. The rookie, Devin White, they're a lot of fun to watch. But I just think the speed of the Chiefs is going to be too much to overcome. But again, I want to know from you, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Who do you have in this Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday? What are your plans? I mean, we, we're, we're, we're in a pandemic right now. It's looking a little bit different. I just got the Super Bowl squares done. It's And, and, and you know what? I'm going to just do this on the front end, and I think we need to do this for every sport who's managed to make it through this time. But... Just a big overall round of applause uh, just for the NFL. You know, you may not agree with it, with the season happening, 
but they managed to get through it, and now they're actually going to have a Super Bowl. You know, there were times in baseball when we thought it was just going to be done. You know, when that that outbreak happened with uh, the Marlins and they'd only played seven games or whatever it was when everyone else was already in the double digits. And you're thinking, man, I know it's a shortened season, but how are they even going to make it through that? Uh, Basketball, they somehow created a bubble for the playoffs, even though their season was suspended uh, in the middle of it with a few games left right heading in right into the playoffs. They managed to have a final and someone was able to come out a victor. I think that the NFL should get a round of applause for the way that they have managed to make a NFL season, even though it's completely abnormal and it's just we're not in a regular time. And I'm glad the word normalcy hasn't been used. I've heard I heard that way too much in the past year or so, but they have managed to make it so that every Sunday it still feels like a normal Sunday. We're able to sit on our butts and watch football for 10 hours straight, watching Red Zone and everything. I know it's different without fans, and you know you have that in the back of their mind, but uh, sports, as we like to say, um, can be a distraction at times for certain things, and it was a nice distraction this season. So uh, I'm just glad that we're even having a Super Bowl Sunday, and it'll be fascinating to see how they handle it. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are uh, are going to be on the call, really looking forward to uh, everything surrounding it. All right, coming up next, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Joe, the Butcher Boy, Shasky, And you won't want to miss it. They're going to be talking about a lot today. Can't wait to hear uh, their thoughts on last night's Warrior game as the Warriors absolutely demolished the Mavs in the second half. But coming up, they're going to be joined by Gary St. Jean at 735, Nick Costas at 7 o'clock, but the big guest today, Frank Gore at 850, and then Tom Flores at 920 going to be a big show today thanks so much for joining me everyone enjoy super bowl sunday the morning rose coming up next we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds what could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.